Amen. Amen. What a wonderful sound when the people of God come together to worship his holy name. Amen. From every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people group, Brother John Bennett. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to invite you to open up to the book of Matthew, chapter 21. Matthew, chapter 21. We're going to read verses 9 and 10 this morning from the book of Matthew, chapter 21. As Matthew was writing to the Israelites, those Jews who had been converted to Christianity, he says this in verse 9. And the multitudes were going before him, and those who followed after him were crying out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And we had entered the city of Jerusalem... All of the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? Let's go to the Lord with a word of prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for this time of worship. We thank you for this opportunity where we can return praise to you, Lord, for you and you alone are worthy of our praise. Lord, we pray this morning as we open up your word, Lord, that you would open up our hearts, that you would take your word, and that it may be that sharp two-edged sword, Lord, that it may be that surgeon's scalpel that heals, Lord, but that it also may be that, that sword of conviction. Lord, we pray, God, that the people here this morning would be obedient to your word. Lord, because your word tells us that you desire obedience much more than sacrifice. So, Lord, this morning, may you have your way in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I just want to go ahead and warn our uh, people from Redeemer. I've had so much fun. We're going to do this again. <laughs> Amen. You know, Pastor Bennett told me that over the last, uh, and, and let me just say, uh, it is such an encouragement to other pastors to know that there are other pastors around this city who are faithfully preaching the Word of God. Who are holding up the standard of God's Word and saying, this is the Word of God. This is, this is the message that He has given us. This is His revelation to us. And I want to thank Pastor Bennett for faithfully teaching and preaching the Word of God to your people. <clears throat> I asked him, I said, I said, where have you been? What have you been doing? How, how, how can I encourage your people? He said, well, we just got done speaking about and teaching about uh, the life of David. And, and so I said, well, that's fantastic because at, at Redeemer, we've been doing uh, kind of a harmony of the Gospels. We've been walking through uh, the life of Jesus. And I said, we'll talk about Jesus as the son of David this morning. And so I, I, I hope that it dovetails nicely into what Pastor Bennett uh, has been preaching. But you know, the Scripture tells us all throughout the Old Testament... Uh, that the prophecies spoke of the Messiah sitting on the throne of David, that the Israelites understood, the Israelites understood Jesus to be the son of David. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, we're going we're to be all over uh, the scripture this morning, we're going to be flipping, we're going to be going back. Uh, I've given the passages to Miss Dominique in the back, so uh, if you can't find it, hopefully they'll be up there. If not, 
uh, jot it down in your, in your bulletin. You can go back and you can find it later. Uh, but we're going to start this morning in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 7, verses 8 through 16. Now, we're going to get back to Matthew, so don't forget about that passage there in Matthew. 2 Samuel, chapter 7, verses 8. You know, as, as God was fulfilling his covenant, uh, his Abrahamic covenant, uh, he, does, he did so... Uh, through the Davidic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant was given to Abraham, and the Davidic covenant would be the fulfillment of that Abrahamic covenant. And this is where we see the Davidic covenant kind of articulated. And so verses 8 through 16, he says, God is speaking to David. He says, Now therefore you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture from following the sheep, that you should be the ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make you a great name like the names of the great men who are on the earth. I will also appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them that they may live there in their own place and not be disturbed again, nor will the wicked afflict them any more as formerly. Even from the day that I commanded the judges over my people Israel, I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also declares to you, that the Lord will make a house for you. And when your days are complete, that you will lie down with your fathers, and I will raise you, I will raise up your descendant after you, who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and with the strokes of the son of men. But my loving kindness shall not depart from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever, and your throne shall be established forever. The Old Testament prophecies spoke of the Messiah sitting on the throne of David. And there was a time in Israel's history. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't be stuck behind a pulpit. I got to walk. <clears throat> there was a time in Israel's history whenever, whenever Israel had suffered the consequence of sin, whenever they had, they had suffered exile. Uh, we, we see kind of an allusion to that here in, here in 2 Samuel. The scripture talks about the descendant of David, the direct descendant of David, Solomon, that 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 he would commit iniquity and God, God would punish his iniquity with the rod of men. And, and we will see that as, as Solomon becomes, uh, becomes enamored with, with power and with, with influence and with uh, trying to appease the gods of, his, of the multitude of wives that he has. And he builds altars uh, to, to false gods and to, to idols. And so the scripture tells us that, that the kingdom was divided. And from the time of Solomon... Until the time of Christ, we will see the kingdom divided. And Israel will suffer exile. Israel will, will suffer at the hand of the Assyrians. They will suffer at the hand of the Babylonians. They will suffer at the hand of the Persians. And Israel will suffer a period of 400 years of silence where God, God would stop speaking to them through the prophets. He would stop speaking to them through, through his people. And Israel would ask the question, they would beg the question, God, have you, have you forgotten us? Well, the scripture tells us in, in, in Isaiah, I'm sorry, the scripture tells us in 2 Samuel that God said that I will establish your throne forever and there will be a descendant 
on the throne of David for all of eternity. And my Bible teaches me that when God says something, that He is faithful to keep His promises. Whenever we see God in the Old Testament, as He introduces Himself, He always introduces Himself in light of His past faithfulness. He says to Abraham, He says, I am the, I am the God of all creation. He says to, to Jacob, He says, I am the God of your father Abraham and Isaac. He says to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the God who was with you in the wilderness. He says to Joshua, I was the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I was the God who brought you into and dispossessed these, this land, this Canaanites, from your land. And so we see the faithfulness of God demonstrated over and over and over again in Scripture. And so, by that by that faithfulness, when God says, I will establish your kingdom forever, we can be sure that God will establish the kingdom of David forever. Now, the Old Testament prophecy spoke of the Messiah sitting on the throne of David. Uh, flip over, if you will, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. Isaiah, chapter 9. Just so you know, it wasn't just there in 2 Samuel that we see the prophecy of the throne of David, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. The prophet tells us, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. And on the throne of David... And over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And I in Psalm, the book of Psalms, chapter 89, verses 1 through 4, the psalmist says this. David writes this. He says, I will sing of the loving kindness of the Lord forever, and to all generations I will make known thy faithfulness, and with my mouth. For I have said, loving kindness will be built up forever in the heavens that will establish thy faithfulness. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your seed forever and build up your throne to all generations. God made a covenant with his people. And that covenant was a unilateral covenant. Now I want us to understand this church. They're, they're, the scripture talks about two different types of covenants. It talks about a unilateral covenant. It talks about a bilateral covenant. The bilateral covenant is the covenant that, that we, we're most familiar with. This is, this is the covenant that, 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 we interact, that, that we engage in. This is the Mosaic covenant. This is the covenant that God said, I will be your God and you'll be my people. I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you, I will curse. And, and your enemies I will be my enemies. And, and this is the Mosaic covenant. But the caveat of that covenant is, if you will obey my commandments. And so whenever Moses... And the people of Israel, and whenever all of the descendants of Israel decided that, that they wanted the gods of this world, and they wanted to, to follow the, the idolatry of this world rather than to follow God, then God said, then I will give you over to the depravity of your mind. And that is a bilateral covenant. It was, it was, it was contingent upon the two different participants in the covenant being committed to the covenant itself and being committed to one another. The nature of the Abrahamic covenant and in like the Davidic covenant 
is not a bilateral covenant. If you go back and you look at the, the covenant of Abraham that God makes with Abraham in Genesis, the scripture tells us that, that God was, was, was establishing this covenant with Abraham. And Abraham says, well, how will I know that you're going to keep your word? And God says, I'll show you. He says, bring to me you know, th- these animals. And, and he gave him a whole list of animals. And he said, he said cut them in two. Because this was going to be the sign of the covenant. The covenant was going to be sealed with blood. And, and so, so they brought these, these, these bulls and these lambs and these goats and, and, and they cut them in two. And the, the way that a covenant was sealed in, in those days in that culture is the two parties of the covenant would pass between the two halves of the animal. And that would be a symbol that this covenant is sealed by death. If you read carefully the scripture, Abraham in the midst of the sealing of this covenant, takes a nap. The scripture says that a deep sleep fell upon Abram and that God passed between the sacrifice. And so we see that the Abrahamic covenant was not a bilateral covenant contingent upon two different parties keeping their end of the agreement, but the Abrahamic covenant was a unilateral covenant that said, no matter what you do, Abraham, no matter what you do, Israel, I will keep my promises because I am God and I am faithful and I am a God who is rich in righteousness and holiness. And because because the Abrahamic covenant and the Davidic covenant is a unilateral covenant, It didn't matter that Israel was idolatrous people. It didn't matter that that, that they lusted after and and strived after these foreign gods because God said, no matter what happens, I will be your God and you'll be my people. And the Davidic covenant is an extension of the Abrahamic covenant. We see that God is a God of details. You know, there's a reason whenever we read the book of Matthew that it starts off so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so. There's a reason when you get to Luke chapter 3, it follows the genealogy of Jesus' mother Mary. There's a reason Matthew starts out with the genealogy of Joseph. Because God is a God of details. I want you to listen very carefully to the genealogy of David. David is the son of Jesse, who is the son of Obed, who is the son of Boaz and Ruth, who is the son of Salma, who is the son of Nashon, who is the son of Abinadab, who is the son of Ram, who is the son of Hezron, who is the son of Perez, who is the son of Judah, who is the son of Jacob, who is the son of Isaac, who is the son of Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, God establishes his covenant with Abraham. And he says, I will be your God, and you will be my people, and all nations will be blessed by you. Do you realize, church, that whenever God gave that covenant to Abraham, that he was not merely thinking about the nation of Israel, but he was thinking about the Christ, the Son of the living God? All of the Bible... From the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation is about God's redemptive plan for his people. Every 
jot and every tittle from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, every, every color that goes into the tapestry of the veil, every piece of furniture that is put into the tabernacle, every, every hardship and every trial that Israel suffers through is all pointing to the redemption of his people through the person of Christ. Do you understand that when God created the world and he sent Adam and Eve into the Garden of Eden and whenever Adam being being deceived and when I'm sorry whenever Eve being deceived by the serpent and then Adam disobeying the Lord and and they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they suffered the consequence of of the fall of man that God wasn't up in heaven saying oh no what am I going to do that that God was not God was not surprised by the action of Adam and Eve nor was God taken aback whenever 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 Israel suffered under the sin of idolatry. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? From the very beginning, the, from the very beginning, God's plan was His plan of redemption. From Abraham and Moses to the temple to the exile. God's desire was always to redeem His people. And Christ was always the plan. The Scripture tells us in Revelation chapter 13 that the Lamb was the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. That tells us that, tells us that, that God had intended to redeem His people and God had intended to redeem His people through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus long before there was ever an Adam, an Eve, a garden, and a snake. And I want us to understand that Israel understood this term son of David, to be a messianic term. This was not, oh, by the way, your great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was David, so we're just going to call you the son of David. It, this, this wasn't some nickname that they had given to, to the Messiah. When, when they, let's go back to the book of Matthew. Let's go back to our original text, Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Verses 9 and 10. And the multitudes going before him and those who followed after him were crying out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when they were entering into Jerusalem, all the city was stirred saying, Who is this? They weren't stirred saying, who is this? Because, because there was this, this, this multitude that was following. They were stirred because of the proclamation that they had given in verse 9. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That was a messianic claim. That is a direct quote from the, from the book of Psalms. That is a messianic title that they had given this, this, this Jesus of Nazareth. And so for 400 years, Israel has been suffering in silence. God hasn't spoken. He hasn't showed up in 400 years. And then all of a sudden, there's this guy who shows up in the middle of the desert wearing camel's hair, eating locusts and honey, and saying, Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Making way, the, 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 the way of the Lord. And then this man, John the Baptist, who sees Jesus coming down the hill, looks at him and says, Look! John chapter 1 verse 29, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so 
For 400 years, Israel has been, they've been thinking that, that, that God has forgotten us. They've been thinking that, that we have suffered the consequence of sin, and this consequence of sin is now pervasive. But now, there's hope. And as Jesus enters Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday, this is the statement. Praise God for the Messiah. That's the statement of Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The statement is, praise God, here comes the Messiah. So when, when Israel makes this statement, son of David, they understood it to be a messianic term. The anointed one, the chosen of God, the king from the lineage of David. The multitudes sing Hosanna to the son of David. And in the Gospel of Luke, we see the Pharisees, the religious leaders, tell Jesus, rebuke your disciples. Don't let them call that man the Messiah, is exactly what they were saying. They were saying he's a poor peasant, he's not a warrior, he's not a king. Jesus, rebuke your disciples, don't let them call you the Messiah, because you know you're not the Messiah, is what the religious leaders were telling Jesus. The multitudes sang Hosanna to the son of David. The religious leaders said, you're not the son of David. Well, here's the question I have for us this morning. Oftentimes, I think we as professing Christians have a crisis of identity. I think that with our mouths, we sing the praises of the multitudes, that we sing Hosanna, praise to the King, praise to the Messiah. Jesus, you are the Messiah. We sit here in church and we clap our hands and we lift our voices and we sing to the, to the top of our lungs, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But when we leave this place, our actions mimic that of the religious leaders. Our actions say, Jesus, you're not the Messiah. With our mouths, we say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But with our lives, we say, Jesus, you are not the Messiah. You know, as we look at the life story of Jesus, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin and the religious leaders, they didn't get upset when Jesus healed the sick. They didn't get upset when Jesus healed the blind. They didn't get upset when Jesus fed the thousands. They really didn't get upset when Jesus taught in the synagogues. If you read the scripture, they got upset when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. They got upset. They got upset when Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, it is as you say. See, they didn't mind Jesus as a benevolent healer. They didn't mind Jesus as a good teacher. They didn't mind Jesus as a prophet. But as Jesus claimed to be Lord, as Jesus claimed to be king, the scripture tells us that they put a purple robe on him. They wove a crown of thorns. They nailed him to 
a cruel, rugged Roman cross. And they put a sign above him that says, King of the Jews. And they killed him. While Jesus would be the son of David, the scripture tells us that David would call him Lord. I want to go with, I want to invite you to go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2. And I want us to listen to the proclamation of the angels. So oftentimes we hear this story uh, around Christmas time, and we love the we love the Christmas story. Uh, we love little baby Jesus laid in a manger. We love the, the story of, of, of Mary and Joseph. We love the story of the shepherds. We love the story of the magi. We love the Christmas story. But I think so oftentimes we fail to hear the truth of the gospel in the Christmas story. Look at the proclamation of the angels in verse 11. Matthew, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 2, verse 11. For today in the city of David there has, born, there has been born for you a Savior. Who is he? It's Christ the Lord. Today in the city of David has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, Jesus was David's descendant. He was, he was several generations down the line a descendant of David. But before Jesus ever entered the world, the scripture tells us that David called him Lord that David submitted his life under the lordship of Jesus. And so here's the question I have for us, church. Do we want Jesus to be our benevolent healer? Do we want Jesus to, to, to help us financially? Do we want Jesus to, to, to bless our family? Do we want Jesus to, to give us all of this stuff? Do we want him to be this giant Santa Claus, but yet, but yet fail to submit to the lordship of him in our lives? You know, the scripture tells us very clear that, that Jesus is either Savior and Lord or he's neither Savior nor Lord. The proclamation of the angels gives us the identity of Jesus. For today in the city of David is born to you a Savior. Who is he? He is Christ the Lord. You cannot have him as your Savior and not have him as your Lord. While Jesus would be a descendant of David, David would call him Lord. And so here's the question for you this morning, church. Will you call him Lord? Will you live your life, will you live your life like the multitudes, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, or like the religious leaders who say, you're not Lord, you're not the son of David. We expect something different. Let me remind us, church, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. Our hope does not lie in this world. There will be no senator no governor, no president, no congressman. There will be no, no political influence that will bring us hope in this world, church. This world is a fallen place. The only hope that we have is in the Son of David. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We cannot, we cannot allow this world, we cannot allow this world to, to eclipse that world that is to come. As we close this morning, I want to ask us, I'm going to ask the uh, praise team to come back up and, and we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And as they come back up, I want to ask us to ask ourselves a very difficult question. As we see Jesus presented this morning as the son of David, as we see Jesus presented as the Lord of all, have we received Jesus as Lord, have we submitted our lives to the Lordship of Jesus? Because let me share with you very, very simply, Philippians chapter 2 tells us that God made him, go to, go, go to Philippians chapter 2 with me as we close. The scripture tells us To have this mind in you, which is also in Christ. And in verse 8, it says, Being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death upon the cross. Therefore God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that every knee should bow, both in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This passage of Scripture tells me two very simple things. That Jesus is Lord. And we will bow before Him. We will either bow before Him in submission to His Lordship, or eventually we'll bow before Him in recognition of His Lordship. This morning, I want to invite you to bow before Him in submission. That you say, Lord, here's my life, I repent of my sin. I trust Jesus and Jesus alone for my salvation. I submit my life under your lordship. I understand that there's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death. Lord, may you do a work in my life. Let's pray. God, we thank you that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant that He is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, that there is nothing that you have required that Jesus has not fulfilled. And I thank you for the truth of the gospel that he has fulfilled it in our stead. That if we will place our faith and our trust in Jesus, that we, that we may be the beneficiary of his obedience, of his righteousness. Lord, if there are those here this morning who need to trust Jesus as their Lord, who need to submit their lives to Him. Not a church, not a creed, not a religion, but need to submit their lives to the Lordship of Jesus. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to come. Pastor Bennett's going to be down here. You can come and pray with him. I'll be down here. You can come and pray with me, the other ministers, other staff of Belfair Baptist Church. Or maybe there's something that you need specific prayer for in your life. I want to invite you to come.